I'm your host, Adam Kasobi-Cannon, and this podcast is brought to you by BriefBid, a platform for agencies and brands to discover new media strategies and plan advertising spend. Let's get started. So today on the How Did You Get Here podcast, we have Alex Harris, the founder of Adadot.com, a future of work analytics tool that helps managers increase team performance and well-being uh, of, of the people on their teams. So Alex, question on everybody's mind. How'd you get here? So, I mean, I've worked for over 10 years in agencies, running really big teams, really large projects, you know, something like 200 people in 35 markets. And that was before remote working was cool. So in essence, a lot of the problems that managers and teams are facing nowadays, I've had to deal with for over 10 years. And the biggest issue for me was I could see through productivity tools um, that, you know, work had essentially an impact on people it was however really hard to measure it uh, and actually quantify it and in some cases you know prevent what was happening in case in point burnout so this is how i got here so i'm hearing i'm hearing something that resonates with me you're a former agency person you saw that the plight of the agency person was well rampant popular and the lifestyle but i want to know when you're at when you're in agency life, what was the craziest idea you pitched to a client? Um, I think the craziest thing we pitched was uh, basically something like experiential, even though we were not an experiential agency. So basically going and then bothering people as they were picking their food in the supermarket. It actually got us banned from a few supermarkets in the area. Uh, they just didn't allow us to go in. Um, I think that's probably one of the craziest things we we pitched. And I don't think it ended up being a campaign in the end, just because I think it was a little bit out there. I like that. Every every XM person who listens to this podcast is just like, yeah, I've been banned. Oh, have you been fined? Oh, I've been fined too. Oh, yeah, totally. It's like you share your war wounds. I, I um, think, I think then the word from, thing, you know... Go for it. Sorry, you're okay? No, I, I was going to say the weirdest thing was that we were not, as I said, an experiential agency. We were kind of like a digital agency. So probably we shouldn't have been playing with fire. <laughs> I, like, I like that though you're like client we're gonna try something crazy for you but okay digital agency like uh you know probably working in the media industry like most digital agencies if you could change anything about the media industry what would it be Oh, I would say working practices would be one of the things I would definitely change um, as I mentioned my tool hopefully does that hopefully helps with a bit of that um, and I think if I were to change another thing, um, kind of like either a first or a, or a close second, would probably be the diversity and inclusion aspect. We are a little bit too samey-samey in the industry, so I'd like to see more people that think differently being included. I, uh, I think, I think samey-samey is probably the nicest way to say that, like, I think the industry likes a little bit of diversity. Also, reconciliation nights, oh my goodness, one of the most terrible work practices I've ever had to endure. Like, oh, we're just going to work until midnight to reconcile this quarter. Good luck. <laughs> and then midnight is if you got off early. Um, so then you, you went from agency side to startup life, where you started your own company. You had to raise money for it. Like, what was that like? Did you have to? I, what tips? What tips do you have, really? Yeah, yeah, we've raised money. We're actually raising now, so it's kind of like a second round. I would say we're still probably pre-seed. Uh, the first one was angels and friends and family. I would say the biggest thing is um, network. 
network early, network a lot. This is probably when it's going to get the, thir the first few bucks through the door because in the beginning, let's be honest, you're not going to be pitching VCs unless you are, I don't know, Clubhouse <laughs> and you can hit like a 4 billion valuation <laughs> within six months. Uh, we're not. So um, we had to be very creative as to how we were approaching the fundraising process. I, 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 I like how just crudely realistic that is I, and it's great it's great here because you're like we know exactly where we stand yeah what's with this four billion dollar unicorn that is effectively a, I don't, isn't it just like people hopping on a phone call with a bunch of other people i won't judge good for them that's awesome um but when you were going into fundraising um how'd you validate the idea like how did you say like this is the thing this that, that we're gonna run with yeah, so what we did is we actually created what you call like a clickable prototype. So essentially this was a design like front without any code in the back. Uh, we're a B2B solution naturally. So what we did is we spoke to over a hundred key stakeholders. So the people who we thought would be buying the products um, and got them to give us feedback. People have been incredibly generous with their time and feedback actually. So that helped us iterate on a number, like a number of, of times um, and actually get a product in market that people bought and paid for literally off the design prototype. So somebody said, I really want this uh, and, and they bought it even before it was built. That's amazing. That like, did you, were you like hunting, you're like with like a prototype, you were hunting in US, UK, Europe, where, where, like, where was the hunting ground, really? Yeah, primarily UK, just because that's where my network is, and I had a really good understanding of the market. Um, and it's just easy, like, when you're using, when you speak the same language as your customer, it just becomes easier. Um, I think, realistically, some of the markets that you, that you mentioned are going to be kind of secondary validation markets for us. Uh, but I think something like Europe, for example, can be really tricky because you have different languages, you're, you're dealing with a lot of augmentation. So we wanted to go with an English speaking market because our plan was to then transition into kind of North America. Nice, nice. I, I, I can appreciate that as a, as a Canuck, you know, like we, we deployed a very similar strategy for go English first. Um, you are in the UK, so, and uh, as a Commonwealth I guess a uh, colonized person. I would like to know what is like the most British joke that you're pretty sure that only British people can understand. Oh goodness. So it's not a joke, but it's a phrase that nobody, literally if you're not in the UK, you probably wouldn't get it. So it's basically a thing that people say uh, to each other, oh, let's go for a chicken Nando's. And a chicken Nando's is basically like- <laughs> Oh, sorry. It's a, it's a bit random. It's food related, so it's a bit a cheeky, like, like the a sauce, like what? So cheeky Nando's is basically when you want to go for a little meal, nothing too big, in the middle of the kind of day or the afternoon, and you go to a restaurant called Nando's. It's a chain, um, and it, when you say yeah. cheeky Nando's, it implies you're going with friends. So it's like it's a, like the context is very yeah. specific. Uh, or you go with somebody who you, who you know well. Like you, you wouldn't take your nan for you know for a cheeky Nando's, or you wouldn't take know, your, your boss unless you know them really well. Uh, but that's what the cheeky bit is, is. Is so you're kind of like popping in for a bit of a bit of food. Of course. Fun fact: Actually, I had Nando's as a client, an XM client, no less. Very briefly, I launched the the new Piri Piri sauces in in Ottawa, Ontario. It was the new Nando's that was being built there. So I, I weirdly enough, I know what Nando's is. I've never 
I don't think I've ever gone for a cheeky Nando's. Spicy, maybe, but I maybe the entire context is lost on me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, so the cheeky, cheeky bit is Nando's. actually, yeah, it's a very characteristic, like, UK, British, potentially just London, even. Like, it's quite, quite particular. I didn't know you guys had Nando's, by the way, in, in Canada. That's a new thing that I'm learning. Most people, when they hear that a thing is in Canada, they're just pleasantly surprised that polar bears haven't yet toppled that building or infrastructure over yet. So it's totally fine. Classic, classic paradox of being a Canuck. Most people are surprised that you have McDonald's now? Oh, no way. <laughs> well, to be fair, we just yeah. got our first Wendy's in 25 years here in the UK. It's, out, it's around the corner from mine. Um, but yeah, so you'd be very surprised as to what exists or doesn't. Fascinating. I can't believe the Square Burgers have made it across the pond yet again. We're all very excited. There's massive queues, massive queues. So Alex, on this podcast edition of You Tried What? We actually have a special instance where I have a product that is local to Calgary, Alberta, and you have a product that is technically local to the UK by virtue of the fact that I cannot get it in Canada. Uh, what are you trying today? So I have a meat stick, which is essentially, it's called a pepperami, uh, and it's a very processed stick of meat that you can actually have as a snack. Um, and you know, it's something that kids were in. Uh, I quite like it. I was introduced to it as a, as a very old adult, but you know, as far as meat sticks go, it's quite yummy. <laughs> And who doesn't like a meat stick in their mouth, really? Let's just, let, that's a question you should all ask ourselves. Um, I'm trying uh, my, my Longview uh, uh, jerky made from Alberta beef, and then I'm guessing cured and dried in Alberta as, as well. And uh, it's, it's actually habanero flavored. So if you see me start crying, it's only because I'm just so happy you're here today. <laughs> Amazing. I'm, I'm glad we went there. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we do this? Let's go for it. Yeah. All right. We're uh, we're doing it. Yeah. A little ASMR for the for the listeners. It's really tough. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Oh, that's that's jerky. It's a very hot. Mine is a bit Ooh. spicy as well, but it's not too bad. It's not not hot. But I'm very aware of my mouth right now. <laughs> very aware of your mouth. Yeah, I'd say I'm very aware of my throat right now. But yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Mm. Is it very sauce as well? You know, pro meat sticks, jerky. It's it's what it's what the stomach wants. It's what the soul wants. <laughs> All right. It's what the, it's okay. T taglines are always appreciated. What are we doing? We got. We got a million dollars, million dollar marketing campaign. How are you launching the pepperoni sticks in Canada so I can finally I get them? I would say it would be, because uh, obviously we do future work, but I would say make meetings great again. And meetings would be spelled with, with an A, because obviously meet. Um, so it, it would be a campaign that would be based on kind of like a, a wordplay around meet and meetings and work. Uh, because obviously it's going to be used as a lovely snack at work. So um, we would also do a bit of experiential as well, as you as you heard from earlier. So that's going to be kind of like our speciality, where we would 
go to offices and hold mm-hmm. meat fests. Because um, who doesn't like a bit of uh, a bit of meat uh, in the workplace? Um, so I think that that would be <laughs> that would be the really nice, I I can't. This is <laughs> this is brilliant. It is it is your 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 your. We have a morning. We have an afternoon meeting. Yes, an afternoon yes. meeting. Yes, of course. A bit of. Don't be a don't be a jerk. Enjoy exactly. your meetings. Or yeah. you know, uh, mm. this email could have been a meeting. With an A. <laughs> I'm just picturing like the GIF in that email, and just like this could have been a meeting, <laughs> and it's just like an angry pepperoni stick. Like, hey, well, they're known. They're known on. for the very cheeky advertising. So they're they're actually known for being very bold and kind of like have a bit of a new endo. So I think it would be on brand. And is it is it like a cheeky Nando's style advertising or is it cheeky? Yeah, pepperoni? yeah, they're super what? cheeky about it. Seriously. So if you look at if you look at ads, mm-hmm. they can be sometimes a bit aggressive, a bit aggy, but I think it's definitely going to be on brand. It's just generally somebody disappointing that you know they didn't have. Well, they should have had a meeting, but they didn't because that was turned to an email. Because usually it's the other way around. Of. And and who doesn't like when I think the word meat. The thought cloud that pops into my head is <laughs> exactly. aggressive. So isn't that just, isn't that just, they're nailing their messaging. Perfect. Oh, wow. Whew. And, and on, on the habanero side for this jerky, this is, um, well, it kicks. It, who doesn't like a good meat kick in the mouth? Exactly. Ooh. And did you say you can't, you can't get that outside of, of like local area, basically? Support local. Oh wow, my mouth is on fire. <laughs> but yeah, they are a, they are a local a, a, a local jerkery jerk manufacturer. A jerk was a jerk ale jerk jerk fest. I think is I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's what they promote. They might get a few hits on the SEO if that's what they're promoting. But I'm sure they'd increase in search ranking by accident if that's what they were promoting. Yes. So. Don't be a jerk. Have some jerky. Who doesn't love a good yep. beef? Don't be a jerk. Have some jerky. Mmm. Yeah. Yeah. Real real jerks do it the beef way. You know, it's the jerk stuff kids go for. That's one of my favorites. Or, Ooh. you know, got some beef. And, and oh, the habanero. Just Got, yeah, got beef and just a jerky mustache. <laughs> it's a sauce. It's a sauce. Let's just appropriate every every. Yeah, it's a sauce. There it is. Just a hey. As a person that can't grow facial hair, I need all the help I can get. Well, there that we makes go. one of us because I'm Greek, so I can definitely grow facial hair. <laughs> speaking speaking on behalf of all Greeks, that's fantastic. But wait, do like is there like a Greek version of of like a like a jerky or like um, a processed yeah, meat? Yeah, yeah, we got like a salami version, um, which is traditional, but it's it's much thicker and it's probably not something you want to be eating in a meeting. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things that you, you just hold on to for special occasions. Like, you know, it's Saturday morning or, you know, it's a brunch scenario. Or, I don't know, Saturday night if you're feeling super special. But, yeah, probably not at work. I, I, I love how you led with special occasion, but then the bar for special occasion was brunch or Saturday morning. It depends what works for you. Like, some people are morning people. I'm a morning person. My special occasions are in, in the mornings, typically. I don't know why you need to know this. <laughs> hey, this is what the podcast explores. How did you get here? I got here I got early. Here early. <laughs> First thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, on, on, this, on this podcast episode of You Tried What? We have finally asked our... Or finally answered the question, you know... How to be a jerk with with beef jerky? Mm. Okay, one more, one more. I know it hurts, but it, it's good. Adam, you need you need to stop jerking. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was jerking it on camera. People get paid for that. This is not only fans. This is the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm a purist. Cam four. <laughs> We're gonna have to edit this so heavily. It's not even funny. No, let her. It's fine. It's fine. Google will just tank our ranking. It's all good. It's all good. Mm. Oh, all right. And next week, we're going to be trying pickled pig's feet. Oh. I'm kidding. That's not a bad one. I don't know how you'd market that, though. Well, Alex, we've, we've officially broke jerky together. Broke process me together. Really, we could just say we jerked it together. But I think now we really want to know, what are you doing now? So at the moment, I'm uh, the CEO and co-founder of Vado.com, which is um, essentially an analytics platform. We help teams, in particular kind of remote, hybrid teams, to actually work better together and understand the impact not only that they're having on work, but the impact that their work is having on them. So then as a, like as a person who's really thinking about the future of work are like, at what time of day do you get your best work done? You said you're an early riser. What, what, like what, when do you get your best work done? 4am. I wake up at 4am. I'm one of those crazy people that wake up at 4am, do a bit of kind of like yoga meditation, uh, read their emails, uh, write back, organize their day, go to the gym. So I'm definitely a morning person. So I usually have to go to bed by 10 at the latest i i appreciate you saying that oh i'm a bit of a yeah i'm a crazy person because i think when anybody says i'm a morning person and they wake up at four in the morning i'm i'm actually inclined to say no i think you're just a middle of the night person a pre-sunrise person <laughs> which is lunacy but yeah that makes a lot of sense i i never thought of it that way <laughs> hey but i mean i bet you're <laughs> I bet you're great for making meetings on like Eastern, you know, Eastern time in North America because you're available at 4 a.m. On, on a Monday. Like, oh, wow. I'm, I respect, I respect you and I'm intimidated is all I'm trying to say. But uh, apart from creating an army of, of 4 a.m.ers, what do you think uh, the future of work looks like, like in your opinion? So I think the future work is much more data driven um, and hence we are investing very heavily 
into data science for our own platform. I think there is definitely a really fascinating intersection of productivity, performance, and well-being. So, so far, what the industry has done is measure productivity, measure performance, but we've never actually explored the link between well-being. So what we're doing for our platform specifically is we are trying to see what the preemptive signals are to understand if somebody is about to experience burnout just from using signals from tools that they're already using in, in their own company. So in essence, we are reducing the need for self-declaration. So, you know, you don't have to say I'm feeling bad, like we will be able to see it through, through the analytics that are coming in. And at the same time, with using, as I said, predictive algorithms, actually prevent it before it happens. So, for example, if you're seeing that somebody is on Slack regularly at 3 a.m. in the morning, but their last kind of message of the day is also at 10 o'clock at night, what you can see is there is a very small interval at which they're getting rest. So by looking at that, you can say, okay, this person is, is going to experience burnout. So in some cases, I think my, my working life at the moment being a founder, I would probably flag red on the platform quite a bit. And it's actually an internal joke that we have in the company. Um, but yeah, I think the future of work is, is way more data driven, just to go back to your to your original question. No, that, that's fascinating and great to see that you're, you're your best use case and case study for predicting burnout. Are there, uh, apart from like the Slack ones, are there other metrics that can like predict burnout where you're like, this is flag, we need to, we need to check this out? Yeah, so we basically um, look at signals in three different ways. So we look at collaboration as one bucket, we look at work, uh, and then well-being is a third one, which is essentially a combination uh, of the first two with some infusion of uh, kind of sentiment. But in essence, the work side of things is things like, you know, quality of work uh, and things like speed of work as well, which you would expect, like if you're about to hit burnout, these two things, they start becoming flimsy as metrics, they start becoming problematic and they start, more importantly, not fitting the working patterns of the same person. So if you look at myself uh, and I'm on my 50th email of the day, like I had a situation the other day where I confused two different Toms that were working in the same company. So I ended up on a random call with my lawyer, you know, him going, why, why are we talking today? And somebody else messaging me at 4 p.m. going, where are you? I thought we were having a call. I mean, this, this is the kind of thing. Okay, that, hey, I mean, I've been, I've been an Adam among many other Adams in a single day. And having older brothers with different A names, I actually haven't been Adam most of my life. I've been Alex and Andre more than I've been Adam. So I can, I can appreciate the confusion. That's, it's good. That's, uh, that one's fair. Are you getting, um, are you getting a bit confused on this call? Like, are you getting a bit of an identity crisis? Because I'm Alex and you're Adam. It starts with an A. Honestly, if it felt like if sometimes when I say Alex, I'm basically just saying my own name because I've been I've been yelled at more times as Alex in my family than I have Adam. I'm usually I'm, I'm, I was a pretty good kid growing up, but apart from the plights of my youth, <laughs> what what um I I like I like this understanding of, of burnout and I like this understand like using data to really understand like hey this person's on the edge and you're effectively talking about like resource measurement and resource allocation like how. You, you go like one one iteration up or one abstraction up. How does like resource measurement and allocation play a role in the health of the business with the people in it? Yeah, I would say like one of the major things to look at is first and foremost, if you have people who are either spread across too many projects, like fragmentation is one of the metrics we look at. 
um, you you basically what you want to do is concentrate a bit of work on them and potentially kind of offload some of that work to other people who have the bandwidth to work on it. So by resource reallocation, really what we mean is actionable, an actionable way of making people's lives at work a little bit better. So there's one of the ways you can do that. There's other ways in which you can actually make their lives easier, but that's like one of the more immediate actionable um, parts that, that you can actually do through the platform or in some cases um, kind of outside if you have the right tools and the right measurements. And this is fascinating because you came you're coming from agency world where if your bandwidth is at 110%, good job. If your bandwidth's at 120, let us know if you're okay. Like it's just completely skewed. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. So agencies are a fascinating type of business whereby you have people being what you sell to your clients or your people, their knowledge is, is your essentially your product, right? So people are really important. They are about 80% of the overhead salaries. They're really expensive. But at the same time, because that's what you're selling, you have to maximize your margin at the same time. So it's it's a really tricky situation where your most prized cow, your most important thing is, is your people. But at the same time, you are kind of squeezing every last bit of work you can. So what is what is the best way of actually doing that without killing the golden goose? I like I appreciate the I appreciate the farm analogies as a as a farm boy myself because yeah it's uh it's it's t you can't can't ride a horse into the ground you got to let it rest eat some sweet feed have some of the salt lick you know nick itself on the electric fence that's just that's a part of life that's just you can't you can't you know run a racehorse into the ground so I didn't uh, know you were a farm boy but oh, more plants in my youth yeah. <laughs> But okay, I like so. I like the initiative of like trying to help uh, basic wellness. Like you have a wellness initiative. You're trying to reduce burnout overall. Like, what's going into this wellness initiative? Yeah, so I would say I wouldn't necessarily call it a wellness initiative per se, because we do look at other bits. We do look at that intersection of, of performance as well. Um, so, I, so I guess from my perspective, what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm trying to equip the manager with the right tools to be able to instigate change within their own team and do it fast. Because one of the things that has changed over the past year or so is that there's a devolution of the well-being KPI. Back in the day, it used to be HR. They would do some really lovely kind of educational pieces. They would do some events. Fantastic, you know, not to uh, not to poo-poo on that. Uh, it's still very important. It needs to happen. But the person who has the day-to-day -day pain, if something goes wrong, if somebody is burned out and or and or sick or you know can't really do their job anymore, is the manager because they're going to have to try and you know figure out how to distribute the work. They're going to have to still figure out how they how they can deliver. Uh, and at the same time, it's the person who cares about you know the, the person who's struggling because you probably have hired them, you probably have trained this person and developed it, developed them. So. It's really, really important to be able to give the day who the, the person who is in charge of day-to-day -day operations the right tools to be able to say, I have 200 people working for me in 35 markets, or I have 20 people working for me, and some of them are working from home. Um, how are they? How are they doing? Are they doing okay? And you know, half of it is work, and is work getting done. The other half of it is the person okay? Uh, and you know, what is the risk that this person is going to not be okay in the near future? 
No, I, I really like the humanized approach. You're, you're actually just trying to make trying to make people's work lives just a little bit easier and better. I think quite simply, it's better. Um, I, I like, I, I respect, I respect I, it. I respect it a lot. I think if I was going to describe it, I would say I'm trying to make kind of success, uh, work success sustainable for people because both the manager and the employee at the end of the day want to succeed, want the company, want their work to be good. You know, I don't think, people wake up in the morning and and want to want to suck and struggle everybody wakes up in the morning and they want to do well uh, and there's something really really empowering uh, that, that comes with with doing well at work and being well at work fascinating yeah Alex thank you so much for coming on the podcast I'm I'm gonna leave it there that incredibly informative uh, really appreciate um, us breaking down again really appreciate you trying to create sustainable success at the workplace and yeah thanks thanks so much for coming on this is the how did you get here podcast the first podcast solely about the guest and how they got to where they are now 